Welcome to another episode of the Looking After Nature podcast, where we hope to bring you close to nature and wildlife in New Hampshire. My name is Andy Davison, and I'm here once again with my co-host, Carly Harrod. Hi, Carly. Hi, Andy, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. So where are we today, Carly? So today we are in the lovely village of Bishop's Wilfram. It's not that nice a day. It's a little bit misty and foggy, but it is still beautiful. And we're here today to do some bird watching with a member of our map review team, Tara. Now Tara's appeared in one of our blogs about gardening, hasn't she? And she certainly has a beautiful garden here. But you don't need a garden to bird watch. You can spot birds from your balcony, front door, from your local green space. Yes, birds can be found anywhere. So let's see what we can spot today. Hi Tara, how are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Yes, it's really nice to come. I've never been to your garden before. Um, you're part of our map review team, aren't you? What do you do there? Yes, I do public path orders in the map review team. So I divert footpaths, bridleways. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, you've clearly got an interest in the countryside because look at your lovely garden. It's really nice here, isn't it? Yes, we are really lucky with the garden. Nice big space. But like you say, you don't need the big space to be able to see the birds. But, um, I mean, I'm quite rural. Carly's right in the middle, well, I say right in the middle of the city, but she's in Southampton. Um, but you're on the ed- edge of a village here, so it's quite good for birds here, isn't it? Yes, yes it is. So we're looking out, say we're on the edge of a village, so you've got little paddocks here. Um, it's a bit difficult to see because it's, it's foggy today, <laughs> Yeah, isn't it? it really is misty. But the hedgerows are good. There's lots of birds in these hedgerows in between the paddocks. And you've got, a, and I think, looking at the area of photography, cause just to check out what it was like around here, you've got a strip of woodland over beside the road over yep, there, haven't you? That's, so that's correct, yeah. Um, and then looking back into the village as such, there's loads of big trees and stuff like that. Yeah, there are plenty of trees, really well-established tall trees, so it's good. Look at owls at night time. Yeah, tawny owls. Tawny owls. And another one that just goes, whoop. Yeah, I mean... Owl? Yeah, they can be a little owl, yeah. I mean, they're quite difficult to tell apart sometimes, but the little owl does a little, as you say, a little piping call like that. Um, So, you know, it's always always difficult to work out some of these out from song, just, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So looking at your garden, you've got lovely thick hedges around here. Um, You've got a nice pond here, actually. Yep, that's a natural pond. That's a natural pond? It's a natural pond, although we haven't really had much in it as yet so i'm hoping we might get some frogs hopefully maybe oh i don't doubt it when did you put it in it's been a, it's been a couple of years maybe three or four years but the birds like to drink out of the fountain bit which is good yeah we can hopefully hear that on the, the tinkling away <laughs> uh, but it is great for wildlife because as you say i mean i got frogs the first year after i put it in and you'll get newts uh, but it's a great water source uh, so you say you'll get birds coming and drinking from it. Do you get them bathing in yes, it as well? Yes, in that bottom bit. Yeah. They do bathe in that bit, which is good. And in the summer, when the, the that buddleia is all out and bushy, they're in and out of it a bit more because I think they feel a bit more protected behind that. But obviously in the winter, it's all a bit sparse, isn't it? Well, absolutely. I mean, you've cut it back a little bit as you need to occasionally with some of your stuff in the garden. But... Uh, yeah, but let's say it's cover, which they quite like. Yeah. A totally bare, you know, a pond in the middle of a, a paddock like that would have different types of bird, probably, but they wouldn't feel so secure as no. popping into here. Yeah. And it's actually one of the best you can do things you can do for wildlife, is put a little pond in your garden. Yeah, 
even if it's just a washing up bowl, I suppose, is just as good, isn't it? Well, that's it. You know, I mean, any water source is great. Because, I mean, clearly some people don't have enough room to put a pond in. No. Um, but any water source. So, I mean, he used to say, I mean, I've got an upturned bin lid. But I think probably, you know, that's an old-fashioned dustbin. <laughs> <laughs> and we have to change our references sometimes, don't we? You know, the fact that uh, we talk about bin lids and stuff like that. And some people, what do you mean a bin lid? Yes. <laughs> But it's a, basically a shallow metal bowl. So anything shallow, you don't want it too deep um, because they, you know, they need it probably at most an inch or so deep just to bathe in and drink in so they can safely get in and out so they don't yeah. fall in. Um, and if it's too deep, they could actually probably drown in there and not get out. So you need a shallow bit, but a little shallow bowl of any sort, um, just with some water, just enough to drink or have a quick bath in. And you could almost do that on a balcony as well. Yeah, definitely. Have you got any bird boxes around? I haven't, but my neighbour has got, I think they're sparrow bird boxes, the three that are all together. Oh, like a little terraced house. Yeah, like yeah. a terraced house. Oh, I can see it on the treehouse on the uh, yeah, on, on the treehouse, the tree yeah. they've got that one. Um, we've got a bird box at the top of the house um, that has blue tits in it. That's got a camera in it, so we see. And she sleeps in it at night time. Yeah? Nothing in it, because my husband clears it out, and I don't know whether you should do that or not. I don't know. Oh yeah, you should do, yeah, I mean they recommend actually some Valentine's Days is a good turn to clear them out. Okay. As a way of reminding you to do it. Uh, because that nesting material, the old nesting material could be full of uh, parasite eggs and stuff like that. Right, okay. Um, and it's just good to clean them out now and then. Yeah. Uh, so they suggest that you actually clean them out on some Valentine's Day, but just before uh, they start breeding again. Yeah. As you say, a lot of birds actually roost in them in the winter. Yes. Because they're nothing, nice and sheltered. No, nothing in it at all, she's just in there. Um, on her own as well. There's never a, bit, a yeah. male with her. So having a bit of material in there, left in there over the winter, helps insulate them. And actually there's uh, wrens. If it gets really cold, wrens, although they're very territorial, they'll gather together. And I think there's a record of 57 wrens in one bird box. Wow. You know, so I mean, I've had certainly in some really harsh weather, because uh, I've got about eight bird boxes around the garden, because I'm a bit of a nutter. Um, <laughs> um, but I've had about seven or eight wrens going into one nest. Wow, I didn't realise that wrens actually went in a box because I was lucky enough to see, um, do they burst when, when they fledge? What do they call it when, when they... Yeah, I know what you mean, it is fledging, but they... It was almost... And they all sort of burst out of this, but it, they were all in between um, the logs where my neighbour's logs were all stacked up. Yeah. They all went into there, but they must have come from... Do they nest in a hedgerow as well, or do they... They'll nest in any cavities. And okay. It tends to be in a nook or a cavity. And okay. It, you know, if there's a hole in a log pile, as you say. See, they don't tend to use nest boxes. They might occasionally use an open-fronted nest box. Okay. So not one with a hole in the front, um, but one with an open front that the robins quite like using. Um, and quite typically, I mean, they, they'll, if you... You sometimes see really cute pictures of people hanging up a teapot in the nest of the teapot. Oh, yeah. Um, so any cavity like that, but they tend to build their own nest and fill it full of moss and stuff so they have a little entrance hole. There's a pied wagtail flying over there. So they tend to not to ne use nest boxes for nesting in but they use them for roosting in in the winter. Oh okay. Um, and I think Makes we sense. passed on the on the path down to your garden we passed a neighbour's nest box you said he had nut hatches in. Yes there were nut hatches in there one year um, and that was interesting to watch them feed because they the mum doesn't go into the nest as such the baby comes out, pokes its head out to the... Yeah, when they're big, I mean, clearly when they're tiny and they can't get yeah. up to the nest entrance, 
Uh, they're a bit like woodpeckers in that. They're quite like woodpeckers in a lot of ways anyway. But they're quite funny because they're normally in natural nest holes, in holes in trees. Uh, but if the hole's too big for them, they'll make it the right size by putting mud around the entrance until it's just the right size. Oh, okay. Yes, that was quite a nice nest box to see because it was on the pathway coming back and forth to the garden. So, busy time. Hmm. So, have you had anything else nesting in your garden? Um, these two fir trees in the garden, they have magpies in. I don't know if that's usual for magpies to nest in pine trees. Um, they'll nest in sort of tall hedgerows and trees. So now, I mean, if it's the right place for them, they'll nest in it. Yeah. But they're quite funny because they have a, you know, because most of the crows, because I remember the crow family, yeah. make a, like a stick nest, which is just a nest, the bottom bit. But magpies do a bit over the top. Oh, okay. And they cover the top in sticks as well. Um, so it's, you can normally tell a mag because it can be quite tall, you know, about a foot or two tall where they build it up. Um, yeah, so you can always, you can tend to tell a magpie nest. We had um, a nest in the um, honeysuckle behind there a couple of years ago. Yeah. But we have done some cutting back, but we are going to let it all grow back a bit. But literally, this tree was quite busy with ivy yeah so that's all year round isn't it the ivy yeah and the little nest was in which is quite low down really but i think it was a blackbird do they have bluey eggs yeah thrushes tend to i mean song thrushes have really sky blue eggs um and blackbirds tend to have bluey eggs with some spots on them ah yeah i think it was a blackbird's nest yeah. but you can normally tell the difference with a, with a song thrush for example because i had one in my garden last year um and they completely line the nest with thick mud Oh, wow. Uh, so you normally see this really thick mud lining and it lasts quite a long while. And actually, it's quite a good time of year to look for some of the old nests that... Um, well, do they reuse them? If A blackbird may reuse a nest if it's successful. Okay. They wouldn't use them next year. They use them in the same year. Oh, okay. So they might come back they to have that a one. second... Brood. Brood. Yeah, because they have two, three broods sometimes. Oh, okay. Um, but if they're successful in that nest, they might come back to it. So you've got loads of hedges around here, so I, mean, I don't doubt you've probably got loads of nests in the hedges. Yes. But you don't necessarily know it. No, no you don't. <laughs> so things yeah. like robins will nest in there. Spar uh, I think we've got a lot of sparrows. Yeah, because I mean, it's good that your neighbour's got that sparrow nest box up there because they've declined a little bit and they think it's partly, I mean, it's partly down to food sources in the winter where the, um, almost all the seed sources cleaned out the fields, you know, there's not the, all the seeds in there in the winter. But also in the summer when they're breeding, all these houses around here, they would have been nesting up in the eaves. Ah, uh, yes. And then everybody comes along and they replace their, you know, they all these rotten boards where they can get in, they replace them with UPVC boards yeah. and things like that. So there's a lot of lack of nest sites. So that sort of terrace, I say it's a row with three boxes together. Yes. Uh, do they actually nest in there, do you know? It was only up last year, so I don't know whether they had anything... Um, it was new last year, so whether they had anything last year for the first season, I don't know, but I'll definitely keep an eye out this year. And is it now that they'll start... Do they sleep in it as well, like blue tits do? Or will they just start... Do you know, I don't know how sparrows. They might well roost in there. They're probably not together. Um, and of course, blue tits are a little bit smaller, so it yeah. needs a, you know, a bit more insulation. So I'll they keep probably... an eye on that, because... Um... It's in a good position to be able to see it as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. But of course you will get, 
tits going in those nests as well, great tits and things like that. Yeah. Because sparrows are quite a bit bigger than blue tits, so you need a bigger nest hole. Okay. Um, but nest boxes are fantastic in gardens, and you can easily put one or two up in your garden. Um, in terms of placement, you know, so, you know, for example, you've got, well, these little apple trees are these Yes, ones. they are. Little coxes. Do you get many windfall apples in the autumn? Um, yes. Unfortunately, last year we didn't have any apples because the frost got all the blossom, and yeah. literally we didn't have any last year. But yeah, um, we do. Is it best to leave them on the floor? Well, clearly you want to eat some, don't you? Yes, but the ones that fall, yeah. instead of collecting them to make the garden tidy. Well, absolutely. And a lot of the, the thrush family, like blackbirds, but this time of year you might have red wings and field fairs, or those winter thrushes that come in. Yes, I have seen a field fair before, and that's been at the top of the house on the berries of the pyracantha. Yeah, that's a good plant. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, a good so plant. That, yeah, and I didn't know what that bird was. It was a really... It was a really cold winter. I'm not sure if it was last year or the year before, but literally I had to look in a book because yeah. I'd never seen this looking bird. It's a bit like a thrush or a blackbird, that size, but looked different. And it was one of those, what did you just call it? Field fair. Field fair, that was it. It's a lovely name, isn't it? But they only come for a short period, don't they? Yeah, they'll turn up in September, October time. There's not many in the country, as far as I know, this year. I don't know if it's milder because they come from Scandinavia, uh, Iceland, some of them breed the red wings. It's, it might be a couple of red wings breeding every year in Scotland, but they don't, they're not really a breeding bird in England at all. Um, but they come across because they're coming away from all the snow and everything. Um, so they'll turn up for the winter. Um, and they do feed on the apples on the ground, they'll feed on the berries on the hedgerows. Um, actually, a good berry following plant is um, ivy. Okay, yeah. Um, I've got masses of pigeons on my ivy at the moment. Yeah. Um, but they tend to ripen later in the, you know, after the autumn. So they're quite a good berry farming plant for the sort of midwinter into early spring sort of period. Um, so, I mean, you quite often get uh, loads of field fairs on the ivy. I've got starlings as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just have a quick look out there. We might go up to where your feeders are in a minute, actually. Because yeah. your little garden we're in is a bit separate to the house, isn't it? It's quite funny. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a very unusual layout. There's a robin in the tree, my neighbour's tree just there. Yeah, some birds you might see all the time, like blackbird and song thrush. And you know they're a thrush, for example. And as you say, when you saw the field fair, you didn't recognise it, but you thought, well, it's the same shape, and it's, but it's, it's a little bit bigger than a blackbird. Yes, actually, yes. Yeah, it is. It's got uh, a different colour head and body as well. Like, his head was different to its body. It was, yeah, it was something that I'd not seen in the garden before. I was very excited. Yeah, but. and they've got a black tail with a grey rump. And they've actually, they have got spots on the front, like, you know, you might expect a thrush to have. Um, but it's got this, um, I don't know about references, like a nicotine sort of coloured, orangey-brown yeah, wash yeah. with a pale belly. That's right, yeah. And a very black tail. So, I mean, that's the way to learn birds, really, is start looking in your garden, and you'll see things like thrushes, blackbirds, robins... Now, Robin is a member of the chat family. So if you then go and look at something like a stone chat, they've got the same sort of shape and size. Okay. So they're sort of upright, aren't they? Yeah. You know, they hop about. Uh, they've got a little thin bill, which is normally associated with sort of feed, feeding on insects and stuff like that. So, um, so a stone chat is almost pretty much like a Robin, but coloured in different. 
That's the way of thinking about it. Okay, I'm not sure I've ever seen a stone chat. So what about um, finches? Yeah, so you... So we get um, the ones with the red head, they bullfinches. Just a red on the face? Like a red and black head. And then there's ones with yellow in it. Yeah. Is one a chaffinch? Maybe? There's a range of finches you might get here. Uh, so you, do you get goldfinches? Yes, goldfinches. With the gold in the wings. That's right, yes. Now they've got red on the face as well. Ah, uh, okay. Um, now oh, there's are... green ones as well that look a, like a olive green, not bright green. And a bit of yellow in the wing. Yeah. That's a green finch. Okay, um, that would make sense. Yeah, so they've got not a thick, they've got a quite a thick bill, like a big wedge-shaped bill, haven't they? Yeah. They're normally eating seeds. They will eat insects and they'll feed insects to the young, but they tend to eat seeds. Um, we buy special Niger seed for them. Goldfinches can't, yeah. It's got um, smaller slits in the feeder for them and they're on that quite a lot, which is good. Yeah. Um, so you get, and again, once you learn what a finch shape looks like, you can then transfer, because we're talking about chaffinches. The females are quite brown, but the males have got like an orangey sort of wash to the breast and they've got a green rump and white bars on the wings. Okay. Um, but in shape, they're almost identical to another bird that comes down for the winter called a brambling. Okay. Um, and there are quite a few in the country. And you might occasionally get one in your garden. I've had one fly over my garden, not actually in it. Uh, they like woodlands. Okay. So it's a bit distant from woodlands, but they've got a yeah. bright white rump. And again, they come down from Scandinavia. So I'm just have a quick look up in the tree over there. And he's just bits of leaf up there at the moment. But that's silver birch there. Yep. Um, and they produce little tiny seeds. And birds like red poles and siskins. Oh. Love those. Um, oh, well, let's look out for that. I've never seen any of those two species of birds, I don't think. Siskins. Siskins, yes. That's a lovely name, isn't it? Yeah. But they're a little, they're a little tiny finch. They're smaller, I think. Just a bit, little bit smaller than a goldfinch. Okay. Uh, but again, they're greens and yellows. But a, um, a green finch is a much bulkier yeah. bird. Yeah. Um, we get the long-tailed tits as well, is it? On the fat. Yes. All tails. Like six like or seven. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just a massive tail and body on a on a bit of fat that we put out. I mean they I mean my mum used to love those things. I mean I, they're attractive little birds. So they're like a sort of mix of pinks and greys and whites, yeah. aren't they? And they've got no sense of personal space. No. You know, they crowd <laughs> on there, you know. I mean, most birds, when you see it, they go on a feeder. They, if another one comes too close to it, they'll be a bit aggressive yeah. towards it because they don't want them that close. Or they wait till one's moved and then they come on, yeah. don't they? Whereas the tits just completely... Yeah, the, the long-tailed long tits, tits absolutely invade. bundle. And I've seen them actually in, the, in a bush. I could hear this little noise, it's cheap, and I looked up inside this bush and there's about eight of them crowded along a stem, you know, crowding together, <laughs> close together to keep warm. And that's the way they roost, and it's just all fluff and tails. Yeah, so they're lovely birds. Yes, mm. yeah, we get those. And they're quite, you know, they're, they've got quite a good family relationship. You know, they'll make, they've got a don't nest, they make of cobwebs and bits of lichen. It's like a ball, and they'll put it in a hedgerow. Um, they'll build it in a hedgerow, they don't put it in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, they'll build it in a hedgerow, and it's like a ball with an entrance. Oh, okay. Um, and it's quite flexible, so that when the young start growing, it can expand a bit. Um, and actually, well, after their first brood, quite often the young from the first brood help rear the second brood. Oh. So you can get more than two, you know, more than the male and female going in 
They've got quite a good family bond. Okay, so clearly, I mean, you've got loads of feeders. I can see it in your back garden, through the house, and I mean, your front garden at the moment, the neighbours have got them as well. Um, but you've got these big cages around them. You've probably got squirrels here, have you? Yes, we do. So, yeah, the, that just enables the little birds. When I talked about the long-tailed tits earlier, that's the one that they're all in, lots of bodies in. Um, but yeah, the squirrels come down, they do get my neighbour's ones, and she does put a little tray out, so we're not discounting the squirrels, they can eat off that tray. So this one's like a big ball cage and there's a fat block in the middle. Yeah. Um, so clearly the little birds can get through to it, but hopefully the squirrels can't. Yes, that's it. Although I did once, my sister sent me a picture of this squirrel which had got inside the cage. Uh, and she said, what do I do? And I said, mm. <laughs> But she, she managed to get its way out. I mean, it had been able to squeeze between the bars, but your design with these cross, it wouldn't have been able to get into no. this one. Um, they and can get themselves into some tricky places I've seen on television programs. Before. Yeah, yeah. But this one here, it's got like a, it's got fat balls in it. Yeah. And it's got like a hopper system, so the fat balls drop to the bottom. Yeah. And these, but actually, if a, something heavy like a squirrel goes on these bits, it shuts the door, doesn't it? It does, and then they can't get to it. Yeah. Um, but it depends if you, I mean, clearly, squirrels can damage the feeders. I mean, your neighbours, they're not protected like yours ones, are they? But they're a bit of an issue with squirrels, do they? Yeah. I think she likes to feed the squirrels. But they, they're quite capable of taking them off the hooks and yes. dropping them to the ground and even running off with them sometimes, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, We've got a nice network of telegraph wires to come across to get to the bird feeders as well. Yeah. So you're feeding with fat, there's a fat block here and there's these fat balls here. Which, which birds go for those ones, if you found? Well, the long-tailed tits um, go for the fat. Um, sparrows? Yeah. Robins, yes. Robins also go on the fat. Um, and starlings. Yeah. We get a lot of starlings all fighting for it. Um, and then we've got another bird feed at the back that has the black niger seed in. Yeah. And that's what the finches mainly go on. So which bird, I mean, we were talking earlier about goldfinch in particular like yes. that, don't they? Because you've got, it's not, um, it's got little slits, isn't it? Clearly tiny. they need a little tiny beak to ferret in there and pull them out, don't yeah. they? Yeah. So that's Niger seeds. Yeah. Um, and that uh, is a specialist one, particularly for the goldfinches. But yeah. siskins will like that oh, as well. Okay. Well, I need to look out for these siskin things, don't I? Yeah. Um, and this feeder, you've got. What's in this feeder? Sunflower hearts. Yeah. Um, and I think the finches like that just as much as the Niger seed, really. Anything that drops from it, I don't know what they discard from it, but birds that are on it, they eat from it, do drop things on the floor, and then things come round and pick up like blackbirds and thrushes come around and pick up the bits that have been dropped. And that's the thing, because I, I mean, I don't tend to bother too much with Niger, because I know the goldfinches really like the sunflower hearts. And when we say sunflower hearts, it's, it hasn't got the shell of the, nut, of the seed around it, has that's it? That's right, yeah. So that's been taken away, because otherwise they'd, they'd open them themselves and you'd end up with loads of the sunflower shells around All it. over the floor, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, yeah, the hearts. Now some people, you know, they go for the cheaper seeds mixes uh, and they're a mix of they've got maize flakes in and corn in it as well as things like sunflower hearts but it's a bit of a false economy because the birds will sort through that until they find things like sunflower hearts so they like and they end up with loads of seed all over the floor uh, which the pigeons will eat a bit but it can attract rats yeah and some people worry about that so it's better to buy the good quality stuff that they're going to eat yes and the feeder empties less quickly yeah 
you know, because they're not picking through. Um, and pretty much the only bits, there's not much they don't eat the sunflower hearts. There's not much mess down below, is there? No. Um, and as you say, there's some birds, like the pigeons. Do you get pheasants in the garden at all? Not in this garden, down the bottom they do. Yeah. Um, but this has got, because it's got the wall and the fence around it, we don't. But yeah, they pick up off the floor as well, don't they, the pheasants? Yeah, so your pigeons and your, your collar doves um, and things like chaffinches. Chaffinches prefer to feed on the ground. Yep. So they'll pick the stuff off the ground. Oh, okay. Um, so it helps with things like rats in the fact that they tend to clear everything up. I mean, you might get the odd mouse and things like that. If it's a long way from the house, it doesn't really matter too much. I mean, there's something to worry about rats immediately around the house. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, if you go for, pay a little bit more, it lasts longer, it's better value. The birds will eat most of it and you'll get less on the floor. Um, I see the neighbours using nuts as well. Yes, we don't have much luck with nuts. They tend to sort of rot in the feeder. But she's had, um, there's a woodpecker that comes on the nuts most, he's been today. Yeah. Um, and again, the squirrel comes down and has a little go at the nuts. And I, I get the same problem with peanuts. You know, it used to be one of the things you used to put out all the time yeah. for birds, blue tits and used to be a thing about red onion bags and they keep red bags to track the birds in well, I wasn't sure about that myself but the trouble is you put a that's like a plastic bag like an onion bag full of nuts and you know some of will rip it open in minutes but as you say I've always found they just rot in there before they're finished yeah yeah so I just tend to feed with the fat blocks fat balls and the sunflower hearts um, we can hear a big chatter I don't know if you can be picked up the microphone but a big chatter of birds up in the tree up there and that's actually goldfinches singing. Or calling, more like really. They actually sing is a territorial thing. There's a flock of them up there, and they they tend to do this sort of calling rather than a full-on song at this time of year. But I can see some starlings up there as well. Yep. And is that two pigeons or are they doves? They're wood pigeons. Those wood ones. pigeons. And we had one calling earlier, didn't we? Yes. Mm. Yeah, that lost sighted longer tail and they're buffy colour, that's a collared dove, that one. Okay, I didn't know if it was a bird of prey. And actually, they, it's like, I can hear a call of a starling up there, it's like a seeew, they do a real, they, ah. they do mimicry as well, I mean, they, they mimic all sorts of birds. Um, and they've actually, they've been known to mimic a, a two-stroke engine. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, in the, in the Out Hebrides where they, before people got onto the mains, they'd all have their little generator in the shed. Um, and the birds, they do this sort of mimicking the two-stroke engine. <laughs> really weird. But the collared doves, they're called slightly different to the wood pigeon. Okay. Um, and one of the, um, part of the Latin name is Deca Octo, which means 18. And there's some Greek fable where the where instead of saying what they were supposed to be saying, you know, they said 18, 18, and that's the sort of rhythm of their call. Um, whereas the wood pigeons, they're supposed to be saying, my toes bleed, Betty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah, it's quite funny. Oh, I mean, it's ways- to listen to that next time. It's way, ways of remembering birds. If yeah. you can remember, it's a bit like yellow hammers. They're supposed to say a little bit of bread and no cheese. You know, so it's diff different ways that people remember some things. There's a real cacophony of birds around here, isn't there? They're in a really good sing-song. 
and I can hear quite a few sparrows around here as well. You sent me a little video the other day, didn't you, of a bird beside one of your feeders? Yes, it was a wet Sunday and I looked out the window and it was a bird of prey. I didn't know what it was, but I think you said it was a... Sparrowhawk. Sparrowhawk, but it looked like a <clears throat> juvenile and it was very wet, but it was just waiting, but there was no sign of any little birds at all. And then it moved off the fence by the bin up to the feeders and stood on top of the feeders. For quite some time it waited, kept shaking its head because it was all wet, but it didn't get any breakfast that morning because none, <laughs> none of the little birds came. They must have uh, spotted it because I think they call and warn each other, don't they? If they, they see not? them, yeah, they'll go. There's certain calls. You know, Sometimes if a cat goes past, you can hear the birds all... Calling, yeah, because yeah, there's a predator war about. Yeah, warning, about. saying... And they sometimes will mob a bird of prey or an owl in a bush. And it's almost, I can see you. There's no point trying to get me. I can see you, attract other birds, get as many birds as they can to recognise where the bird of prey is. Ah. Because um, the sparrows are ambush predators. You'll see them, you know, these feeders here, they might have a set route they fly. They're, not, they're all the bird feeders are. Um, and um, they'll, they'll do a circuit, but they'll come whipping over the top of this hedge and then go shooting for them. So they're taken by surprise. Right. Um, you say yours was a juvenile. It's probably a, a male. Okay. Well, it, uh, sorry, it was a male because you know the size of it. Yeah. Um, it probably was a youngish male, uh, but certainly at least born at least last year, if not before. Um, but the males, as they get older, they get more orange on the front. They go quite orange, and they've got fiery yellow orange eyes. Yeah, lovely birds. But the females are much bigger. They're almost double the size of the male. How are they? And the females will be hunting. They won't hunt here because it's too tight and you've got to be quite acrobatic to whip around these oh, little hedges yeah. and gardens. But they'll be hunting out in the main big fields. Uh, so they split where they hunt. Um, got so. great tit, I think, up there. Is that a great tit? Yeah, that's right. Dark black head, big white cheek patch. And they've got a black line going down the belly. Yeah. And they are bigger than uh, the blue tits and things. Yeah, I didn't mention them, but they do feed on the feeders as well. Yeah. And there's goldfinches sitting up on the tree there waiting to come down. Hopefully they'll... Oh, one's gone in my neighbour's garden. Yeah, they're starting yeah, they're to come going. down now because we've moved. We're over the other side of the garage. <laughs> yeah. But there's a couple of collared doves up there, look. Oh, yeah. They're sort of buffy, sort of grey yeah. colour. And they are... I mean, doves are well known, sort of birds of love and all that sort of thing. But they're very quite clear. Most of the year, you'll see two together like that. Sometimes you get flocks, but they're very quite close, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and they'll breed throughout the year. They don't always breed just in the summer. Um, and they breed. They make a nest, do they? In yeah, a, they a little, high up in a tree, or not necessarily. I've had them out about six foot, maybe a little bit higher than that. Sometimes I've had them in a garden a few times last year and they're all about head height um, but it's a little stupid little thin stick nest oh okay uh, you'd think it wouldn't survive any time at all um, goldfinch is having an argument over there yeah um, but and their eggs are pure white so we've got a robin sitting at the top of this tree oh yeah just can actually see him yeah it's quiet for a little bit see if we can pick him up
It's a lovely song, it's a lovely warbling song, isn't it? Yes. Is it just one? Yeah, yeah. Now they can be quite territorial throughout the year. Because they need to defend a feeding territory. There's another one just come. Oh yeah, there's two there. So whether they'll uh, you'll come and see them off. It might be the female. Female robins do sing a little as well. It's not only males that sing sometimes. Um, so they uh, defend the winter territory for their food resource as well as a breeding territory. Okay. Uh, but I had in my garden last year and the year before two robin nests at the same time. Um, and I'm really sure, it's difficult to tell without having them marked in any way, but it was one male with two females. You know, so it's... it's uh, Funny old game sometimes with birds and breeding birds. Um, and they're all sparrows that we can hear now, is it? Yeah, all that chip, chop, chip, chip, chip. That's house sparrows. There's a couple of these little brown birds, brown and grey. That's a dunnock. Oh, is it? I always get those mixed up with the sparrows. They look very similar, don't they? Yeah, they've got a thin bill like a, like a um, robin's got. Um, so they haven't got the thick bill for eating seed like a house sparrow. And one of the old names is hedge sparrow. Oh, that's right. Um, but they're not related to sparrows whatsoever. Now they've got really weird breeding strategies. The dunnock. The dunnock, yeah. Where you might have one male with three females. You might have three males with one female. You might have three females and two males. And how can you tell the... Female from the male apart, then? You can't. Oh. I mean, I'm a bird ringer, and in the hand, you have to blow their feathers aside and look at quite intimate places, and oh. even then they're quite difficult. <laughs> you know? So they're, not, they're no different at all in terms of plumage. It's a bit like the robin, you can't tell them apart. No. Um, but then other birds, you can. So like a pheasant, for example. It's completely different, yeah. Yeah, and ducks. Yes, absolutely. And quite often that's to do with the... The males have all the colour and the spectacular because they need to attract the female. Okay. The female wants to be dark and brown because she sits on the nest, so she doesn't want to be found. Um, so that's a dunnock there? Yep, that's the old dunnock sitting up there. Oh, okay. Little brown and grey. Oh, creeps okay. around like a mouse sometimes. He does look so similar to sparrow. So where's a house sparrow then? There was one up in the hedge up there just now. But they've got a big... It's the bill is the different thing. Oh, and they've got a little bit of white on their wing, have they? Are they house sparrows up there? It's true. Not, yeah, those are house sparrows. Ah, okay. Up the top I can of that, see the yeah. difference now that they're both together. Yeah. And house sparrows are different in colour. The males have got black on grey on the head and a black little bib below the chin. Uh, and the females haven't got all that colour on the head. So, I mean, some species, they are totally the same. You cannot even tell them apart in the hand. And sometimes they're quite different colours. And it's main, normally the male that's got all the colour. Although there are some birds, I mean, you wouldn't get in your garden, there's a couple of wading birds. One's called a phalarope. Okay. And there's a, um, which, um, it's the female has got all the colour. And the male's drab, because the males sit on the eggs. Oh, okay. Uh, so they need to be a bit drabber to be hidden. Um, so that, uh, and actually what happens is the female does, does all the, uh, courtship and um, lays a clutch for the male and then just leaves leaves into it wow <laughs> <laughs> and they've been known to actually you know 
lay a clutch for a male in, in Scotland and then go to Norway and breed over there as well. Wow, so that is unusual. It is, it is quite unusual amongst the birds. There are a few birds yeah. that like that. Well, thanks for welcoming us to your garden, Tara. It's actually a lovely garden you've got here and it's good to see all these birds here. Yeah, it's lovely to have human beings in my garden. <laughs> I know, it's to quite see odd, the team, isn't it? To see the people that work in my service because <laughs> I've not seen people for ages. It's been lovely to have you. Wow, I just love all the little birds in this garden. They are just, they're just amazing. There's so many. Yeah, and when you look, it's, it's, when you start looking, it really is quite amazing the difference you can get, even in, you know, quite an urban garden sometimes, because, I mean, in your garden, you get quite a bit as well, don't you? I get quite a bit, but it's, they are generally just in the hedge because I've got two cats. Um, but it's certainly nothing like this. Yeah, it's fabulous to see the range of diversity. And the more you look, the more you learn. That's the good thing about yeah. this. Yeah, do you feed the birds in your garden, Andy? Well, of course I do. I mean, you know, I'm nuts about birds, you know that. So I've got quite a few feeders around. I've got about eight bird boxes up. So, yeah, I do feed them in the garden. And actually, I've got set up so I can see them from where I work in my little home office, which is, you know, brightens my day all the time. So are you ready for another one of Carly's fun facts? I'm not sure if I'm ever ready for a fun fact from you, Carly, but let's go ahead, shall okay. we? Okay. So did you know that birds' feet don't get cold? Well, that's not strictly true, is it? Well, it's not strictly true, but the surface temperature of their toes may be barely above freezing, even as the bird maintains its core body temperature above 38 degrees. But most birds don't succumb to frostbite because there's so little fluid in the cells of their feet, and their feet are mostly tendons and bones with little muscle or nerve tissue. And did you know that some birds have a counter-current heat exchange system in their legs? Yeah, I know the concept. You know, it's a bit like a heat exchanger on the back of a fridge, isn't it? Yeah, so the blood vessels going to and from the feet are very, very close together. So blood flowing back to the body is warmed by the blood flowing to the feet. So the newly cooled blood in the feet lowers the heat loss from the feet and the warmed blood flowing back into the body prevents the bird from becoming cold. And also, because the bird's circulation is so fast, the blood does not remain in the feet long enough to get cold. Yeah, I mean, clearly it's part of the problem with the bird in the fact that most birds don't have much of their feathers on their legs. So they've got bald feet and mm -hmm. legs, so they can lose a lot of heat from them. So that's clearly one way of getting around it, isn't it? Yep. Uh, but there is another little fact I can give you. Okay. Because, um, um, you know, goldcrest, the little tiny birds. Yep. Yeah. So most birds, when they um, are brooding their, their eggs, um, so like a robin will lay about five eggs and quite often the female will lose the feathers on her breast so the skin of the robin will sit right close to the eggs and mm -hmm. transfer the heat across. Well a goldcrest, which is a tiny little thing, can lay up to 12 eggs um, and people have often wondered how they brood those eggs and get the heat into them. Um, but they've got quite a loose nest, it's almost like a, a flexible bag made of moss and lichen and bits of uh, web and they'll put all their eggs in there and they've discovered actually what they do is they paddle their legs in amongst the eggs and then pump blood into the egg into the legs ah so it heats up all the eggs at once absolutely so it ah. almost turns off your heat exchange system and turns it to its advantage yep so my fun fact is not strictly true for all birds i hope you've all enjoyed this episode of looking after nature 
We have a really interesting blog post this month on a beginner's guide to bird watching that has been done by BirdAware Solent. So check out our YouTube channel for that one. And we'd love to hear from you with any comments or thoughts. And if there's anything you'd like us to discuss in a future episode, you can let us know by checking out our social media pages. For now, thanks again for listening. I'm Andy Davidson. And I'm Carly Howard. See you next time.